boys and girls, and most importantly, everyone else. Um, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, real couple, I am either still on the fence about seeing the new Suicide Squad movie, or I've already seen it, but don't know what to think of it, and I'm waiting for your guys' thoughts on the matter. To which I say, oh my gosh, what a coincidence. That's what this episode's about. Wow, this is is crazy. Um, So yeah, uh, we went and saw the new Suicide Squad movie um, by uh, James Gunn. And um, initial reactions, what did you think? I actually loved it. Um, I never saw the other Suicide Squad that came out in 2016, I believe. I forget. Or... Whatever the other Suicide Squad, I never saw, uh, I but I to heard have the IMDb page up on one screen, and I never do. Uh, I just heard really terrible things about the first Suicide Squad, so I think I just had really low expectations for this one. Uh, so I was pleasantly surprised when I loved it. Um, it was, in my opinion, a really great mix of the dark and gritty and the humor that the DCEU has so desperately been trying to to strike and so yeah i i loved it what did you think dallas i really really liked it um which is crazy because going in um i was really worried about this movie i was i had high hopes um but everything i was hearing about it was just getting me more and more worried um uh which something we'll get into later um, there were reports that some characters were being um, like reprised from the first movie, which the first movie has so many problems to it. And um, at the at this point, I do still think that the DCEU is not on solid footing. Oh, no. um, it's so flawed. I think that Suicide Squad is yet another step in the right direction to them figuring their shit out. Um, however, I, I think there there's still several more steps that need to be taken. Um, but uh, yeah, that that first movie, um, certain things that everyone hated, I wasn't too. Um, I, I didn't hate it as much as everyone else. But there were a lot of things about it that people were like, "Yeah, that wasn't that bad," and I was like, eh, "I feel like it was." Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. Of all the movies you could make, you're already wanting to make a sequel to Suicide Squad? And it was like, well, no, 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 we're going to reboot. Okay, so this early in your uh, universe, you're already rebooting things? And then all of a sudden it was like, it's going to be a soft reboot. It's not going to be like a true, true reboot, but it's not going to be that direct of a sequel. Uh, okay um and then they brought on james gunn which um, i adore james gunn yeah james gunn is great um i i was worried that the only reason they were getting him was because of the controversy with disney he did a great job with guardians of the galaxy and then his old tweets resurfaced and disney didn't want anything to do with him so then they fired him and so then it kind of seemed like maybe dc was only going after him as sort of a, a um, slight to Disney, um, which, you know, hire directors because they're the right man for the job. Don't hire directors as a middle finger to the competition. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, as it turns out, I think he was, uh, he did a great job. Um, 
but then again they they released the cast list and the roster and it was ridiculously long and i was like there there are plenty of movies with a lot of characters in them and you have to spend time but you can figure out a way to introduce them all but this was like four times the kinds of movies i'm talking about things like a team the losers uh both of which if you haven't seen them oh my gosh super fun movies go watch them um but uh guardians of the galaxy also has a a roster of what five people um but you know james gunn did a great job of um introducing all those characters with a movie like uh this new suicide squad movie i was like there's no way you can introduce that many characters and then i saw it and was pleasantly (laughs) surprised um yeah so so, i'd say overall our expectations going in for both of us were fairly low and a little scared yeah expectations were low hopes were high yes yeah Um, for sure but uh yeah both of us very very happy with the outcome yes uh so that's our spoiler free uh review so spoiler alert coming up we're gonna dive into what yeah plot points we liked we're gonna go through the story um we're gonna start with the warner brothers summary Mm-hmm. For the movie, uh, it says supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Rev Prison join the super secret, super shady Task Force X as they are dropped off at the remote, enemy infused island of Corto Maltese. Corto Maltese. They um, say Maltese in the movie. Do they? Yes. I'm nearly positive they say Corto Maltese. No. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. Um, wow, yeah. Um, which, that's that's another really interesting thing about this movie. We went and saw it in theaters. However, it was immediately released on HBO Max. Um, just normally, like, it, it is now on HBO Max. If you have HBO Max, you can watch Suicide Squad. It's not like Disney Plus where... If you, you have wanna, to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, there's not an additional fee. Um, so, yeah, there there were certain things where I was like, yeah, I didn't quite follow that. Or I want to, you know, that was crazy. I want to see it again. And I got home and the next morning, went on to HBO Max and rewatched it. So, yeah, um, right after this, I'll I'll go and verify that they say Corto Maltese. Um, but, yeah, so, um, yeah, that uh, that is what the movie's about. Um but uh, real summary, we start out um, in the Bell Rev prison and immediately um, Savants are sitting there and they, they call him in for this mission. And so they make it very, very clear very early on, Savant is sort of our eyes and ears of the story. We're going to be following this character um, and seeing the story through his perspective. And so um, just sort of recapping everything that we learn in the first movie. Um, We've got detonators in the back of your necks. If you disobey, we can blow you up. No questions asked. Um, Complete the mission and you get 10 years off your sentence. Yeah, it's not an immediate do this one thing and you go free. It's, um, which 10 years off a life sentence is is a nice balance because everyone in this movie are probably serving life sentences which is or multiple life sentences yeah exactly so um 10 years is not a little but 
it's definitely not a you did something terrible now you're getting out tomorrow instead of um years from now um so so. it basically takes you through them building this task force x yeah it's building the team it's helping you meet all the characters uh you have savant you meet uh weasel yeah on this on this first team that we're we're going to be following we meet uh so we're reunited i was reunited with colonel rick flag played by joel kinnaman uh this was your first time meeting the character Mm -hmm. um but uh then we also have oh harley quinn um, mm-hmm. reunited with Harley, which you have seen Birds of Prey, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we both knew Harley. <clears throat> um, we also had, uh, so Savant, um, all of this is being told to us by Amanda Waller, played by Viola Davis, Davis who is back. Um, but, uh, we also meet, uh, Nathan Fillion's TDK, uh, we're reunited with Jai Courtney's Captain Boomerang, we meet Javelin and Mongal. Uh, Blackguard, Weasel, um, I think that's everything from the first task force. Um, and so they they fly off to this beachhead, which the, the beachhead was, was in a lot of advertising, a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes videos that they released, stuff like that. So as they were approaching, I was like, oh yeah, I've heard about this, this is going to be a big deal scene. And, and dramatically, they all do this uh, really cool tactical insertion where they jump out of the helicopter and they have to swim to shore. And uh, everyone like jumps down. It's in slow motion. Super cool. And then finally, <laughs> Weasel goes to enter the battlefield. And at first, he just kind of ma- makes a fool of himself because everyone else stoically jumps out of this this aircraft and then weasel just screams and belly flops and i was like just completely spazzes out in the air this is hilarious yeah and then he hits the water and he's still spazzing and it was like oh i get it so he's gonna be sort of like the the thing that blows their cover and then all of a sudden rick flag just goes wait did you guys verify that he can swim and he can't and that's when my mind was like, holy shit. Yeah. Is this how quickly we are going to just be taking right? names off our roster? So Savant goes underwater and grabs him and takes him to the beach. And all he says is, the weasel's dead. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, the trailers made it seem like Weasel was a big part of this movie. And he's dead in the first 10 minutes? Like, what? Which, that was another thing. Once they were like, can he swim? And everyone was like, oh shit, maybe he can't. I was like, oh my gosh, he's already dead. And then I see Savant swimming for him. And I was like, okay, okay. So it's going to be like, we start the movie with a close call. Like Savant's going to save him. And then it's going to be like, oh man, guys, that oh he almost drowned. You guys are idiots. But then he gets him to the shore. and Nah, he he's just, dead. Nope. I wasn't fast enough. He's dead. <laughs> well, oh. and then they like start this battle with the the enemy group that's on this island and they just get their asses handed to them which we start out the battle with um uh blackguard um pete davidson pete davidson um he apparently sold out the team yeah he contacted the enemy army and was like hey guys it's me i'm the one who you know and then he gets shot in the face and you see his you face see his face explode off. <laughs> um which 
yeah, as that stuff was happening, I was like, okay, this is one of those uh, James Gunn movies. Well, and then you just keep seeing members of this task force that, I don't know, maybe Suicide Squad people who know like comics or whatever knew what was happening but i did not so watching all of these team members or 90 percent of them get annihilated on this beach was a huge shock because i thought that was the suicide squad (laughs) i thought they were the main characters of the movie um which i was wrong yeah and um we'll get into this later as well but uh apparently james gunn worked hard to only fill his roster with more obscure characters crazy obscure characters yeah which i think was such a good idea and i liked that he um selected obscure characters but cast fairly big name actors yeah like i thought pete davidson was gonna be a big deal if you're spending the money for pete davidson if you're spending the money for nathan fillion yeah um, so yeah, I, I was really expecting this to be the main team. Um, twasn't, twasn't. Um, so yeah. And, uh, just a real balls to the wall fight scene. Um, apparently, um, Nathan Fillion's TDK, um, the can detach his arms. Yeah. Uh, the detachable kid from what I understand, he's an original character. He's not in the comics apparently. Oh. Um, I, I could be wrong on that. This is just what I'm hearing from other sources. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, and, and I loved, uh, as they're approaching the drop zone, we just get some some witty banter between characters, and I was really, really enjoying their chemistry. Yeah, um, me too, until they all died on the beach. Yeah. Um, and it, there were so many people where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really interested to see where this, this character goes in the rest of the movie. Um, and, and honestly, I gotta say, Savant was sort of the, um, almost the dud of the group. Yeah. Like, he, he was wanting to be, like, the, uh, tough, um, man of few words type character, and he dies too. Um. Well, and then, I don't know, I think you caught on to it a lot faster than I did, but after the whole, like, beach annihilation of the first team... You see the second wave come in of, like, the actual Suicide Squad. I don't know why my brain did not, like, catch on to the fact that these are the real teammates. These are the real Suicide Squad. But, like, I think you caught on pretty quick once the new team stormed the beach and they were told, oh, the rebels or whatever were distracted. I think that's when you caught on to the fact that there was like a decoy suicide squad team. At some point it cuts to like a, a computer monitor and they they talk about like the distraction crew has, is doing their job or something. How did I miss that? It took me so long to understand. Maybe I was just really pissed that like Pete Davidson, all of those characters that I thought were going to be it weren't it, but... It took an embarrassingly long time for me to realize what that plot point was. Yeah. Um, But overall, I had so much fun watching that first scene. And honestly, like, um, 
So you have not seen the first Suicide Squad movie, but... Do you feel like I needed to have seen the first one? I personally didn't feel like I was very lost or anything. In order to understand this movie? No. Definitely don't need to see that first movie. There's a few bits um, of just like uh, Harley's growth um, from that movie to Birds of Prey to this. You get to see that she is um, mentally getting herself into a more uh quote-unquote healthy place um as healthy as harley can get exactly yeah um she it's it's healthy for her but unhealthy from the perspective of any normal human being on earth which which i think is great i think she's being written really well right now um but uh so yeah i I do not think you at all need to have seen the first movie to see this movie however to really understand how good good this movie was i do think you should see the first just to kind of get a feel for oh that's what a bad suicide squad looks like um and uh in the in the first movie um there's a a guy named uh it's not ripcord slipknot and slipknot as soon as they land in the city he immediately goes and talks to captain boomerang and is like hey you know what we should do? We should escape as soon as possible. And so Captain Boomerang's like, all right, yeah, you take the lead. So the guy immediately tries to run off, and Amanda Waller blows the chip in his neck, and that's kind of the way they communicate to the audience. Yeah, these guys have explosive chips in their neck. They, yeah. But other than that, nothing ever happens with the chip. So, whatever. Like, um, And then, throughout the entire rest of the movie... One other guy dies, but it's in a very self-sacrificial way. Um, and so it's um, the the only suicide in the first movie is someone accepting his actions as suicide. Whereas in this movie, the concept of suicide is if you accept to go on this mission, it is pretty much suicide. <laughs> yeah, that's like true. You, the reason we're only sending criminals is because we're sending you on things so dangerous, we would never send people we care about. Well, and Savant was the only one that got his chip detonated. Correct. In the whole, like, a, most of them die by mm-hmm. the end of the film. Uh, but Savant was the only one that got his head blown off yeah. by his detonator. And... Uh, in the first movie, I, I think that's another big thing, is that uh, the reason they blow um, Slipknots is because he's trying to escape. He went on this mission as a, you know what? Security isn't going to be what it's like in prison. I can probably find a way out. And so he tries to sneak away and like, yeah, I'm using this mission as my way to freedom. Whereas Savant in this one is, yeah, it, 10 years off my sentence, sounds good to me. And it's not until he sees the action and how, how many people are dying, he freaks out. He <laughs> gets cold not. feet. He's <laughs> Yeah, he's like, you know what? No, this is not worth it. And he tries to swim away. I don't think he's trying to run away from jail time. I think he's just trying to run away from the horrors of war right behind him. And so um, when they blow his neck, or they blow his chip... It's not so much a, don't you run away from us. It's more, no, you said you would do this. Go and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, it's too late to pull out, 
We're not going to bring you home and be like, hey, buddy, sorry, that was scary, wasn't it? No. <laughs> you either do the mission or you die. Right. That's it. And so blowing his neck seemed so much more cruel than blowing Slipknot's. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I think it really, really... Um, it told me early on that Amanda Waller in this movie was going to be far better than Amanda Waller in the original. Because um, Amanda Waller really is not done well in the first movie. Um, which was sad, because they got Viola Davis, and she's proven herself time and time again that she can act She played this role part really very well. well in this film. She really, really did. Um, so yeah, uh, as soon as that scene ends and we meet the new team it immediately shows us several days earlier and right it, it shows that team learning about kind of this same mission but um they actually get told what they really need to do <laughs> yeah they're being told what the mission is also again weird ass superpowers we have king shark who's like this weird shark human mix thing that can kind of talk we have... Which is exactly how he is in the comics. He's Rat just a big Catcher 2, yep. who can control rats with this weird, like, light bulb wand thing. Uh, we've got Polka Dot Man, who barfs... Ra- I don't... Radioactive polka dots? So, I guess... Interdimensional polka dots? What are they? I don't even know. From what I've been told, in the comics, he, like makes weapons in the form of small circles and so he like pulls them off his costume and throws them at people in this they've changed his power to be a i think he said it's an interdimensional virus yes that's what it was pretty much this shit which uh manifests itself in in the form of technicolored circles um just grows inside of him and he has to expel them at twice least a day. twice a day, or else it pretty much kills him from the inside. Um, he said, We learn at some point in the movie that he got this virus due to experiments done on him by his mother at Star Labs, um, which it was cool to hear the name drop of Star Labs because that's where uh, Barry Allen, the Flash, works. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see that in the Flash TV show. We've seen it a little bit in. Um, uh, Justice League, and I think it may have been like mentioned or something in Batman vs Superman, but Star Labs is is uh, a big name for DC fans, um, and so that was cool. And because of that, he's got some deep rooted mother issues, which we oh, also learned yes. about throughout the film. Um, um, and then, in addition to that, the rest of the team we've got. Idris Elba's character, uh, Bloodsport, and John Cena's character, Peacemaker, who essentially have the same powers. Um, Which, uh, yeah, um, Bloodsport is able to kind of like make weapons out of his suit, which I don't know if that's the tech of his suit or if it's an ability that he has to like pick things up and have them transform into weapons for him. Um, again, I, I don't know these characters well, but apparently uh, James Gunn does. Um, yeah. So this is the actual Suicide Squad team that we have. Uh, yeah. This is not the decoy team. 
Uh, they hit the beach on the other side of the island while everyone is distracted. Um, and their mission is to get to Jotunheim because there's something called Project Starfish that they have to destroy. Uh, but and this is like a super secret, military guarded, highly confidential facility, um, which is why they're only sending in criminals. And the best way to get into Jotunheim is uh, by abducting the Thinker, um, who's another DC villain, um, however, is not on this suicide squad. Um, so go intercept him force him to get you into Jotunheim, um, which was, I, I feel like, just enough um, complications in the plan that it didn't make the storyline just bafflingly complex, but it gave it a bit more of a... It, it gave it more than just start here, go there, done. There was a bit more of a yeah. go from here to there to do this so that you can get over there and do that. Awesome. Which one of the first things was that they had to go rescue uh, Colonel Rick Flagg, mm -hmm. who had been taken uh, by some, what did they call them, like vigilantes or whatever? Yeah, they they thought they were taken by the army of Corto Maltese, um, which that portion of the plan is only added to the plan after the beachhead goes south. Right. Um, because I think the beachhead's mission is just supposed to be like a hit this beach attack and you'll be home by morning or something where the other team that know about Jotunheim I think they knew going in you're in for a several day long mission right um and so as they're going it's like hey something happened on the beach now we're adding a rescue mission to it and they're like what the hell and it's like it's okay we have his tracker he's not too far from you would you're you gonna... consider this a side quest Yes. <laughs> Going and, to get Rick Flag. Yeah. And one of the best side quests. <laughs> so they get to this encampment mm -hmm. where they know he's being held. So they need to find him. So they take out all of the like guards and the people that are in this camp. And it's like. Which I will say, they're. Uh, stealth sequence of, of picking off the guards one by one uh, you know sneak up behind this guy take him out sneak up behind that guy kill him in a different way and then we get to see the feud between Bloodsport and Peacemaker it was kind of a dick measuring contest honestly very much um, and <laughs> there's one moment where um, Bloodsport kills a guy turns to Peacemaker flips him the bird and then Peacemaker kills another guy and does the jacking off motion back to Bloodsport. Like, it is, this movie's so rated R in such beautiful ways. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, um, they're just going through. At, oh, during this scene, we get full penis. Like, we see a full-on man's dick on screen. Yes. Um. I've, I've got an eye for dicks, babe. <laughs> um, at some point, this guy, like, comes walking out of his hut right as someone shoots, like, a blow dart at him or something. But as he falls back, you, like, he's just wearing a shirt. Right under the shirt is uh, his little, little guy. Um, 
So yeah, there, there's, it's not just like swearing and and grotesque violence in this. There is nudity, there's nudity both male and female. So they finally get to this hut that Rick Flag is in, and they burst in, and they see him sitting at a table drinking tea with who they thought was going to be his captor. Turns out that this woman that he's drinking tea with is the leader of this group of resistance r- resistance fighters. fighters. They're fighting for the um, reestablishment of democracy in this uh, little country, <laughs> and like they want to refree the pre- the people and, and bring power back to the the people so that we can live in a fair country again. Um, but she sees them and she's like, "Wow, how?" What? You guys are strangers here. Why did Why my guards not alert me of your arrival? And after having killed everyone in this town, in this little camp, the, the entire squad just has to be like, um, Oh, I didn't, I didn't we see didn't anybody. We didn't see anyone. I don't, yeah. On our whole way in, we didn't see anyone. Which, how are you not going to get caught in that lie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they do very yeah, quickly. Yeah, and so they immediately <laughs> just walk out of the tent and... All the bodies are right here. Like, there was no <laughs> moment where they were just going to be like, oh, we didn't see anyone. And she was going to be like, really? Weird. <laughs> Her reaction as she's like looking at this scorched body was just, Americans. Yes. And then like, that's all she said about it. And then she's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to help you now because I guess we're kind of on the same team. Yeah, it, it was funny that she was able to sort of mentally make that jump of, okay, I hate that you killed all my men, but the fact that you were willing to kill my men because you thought they were the people that we're actually fighting against, looks like you're pretty efficient at killing off my enemies. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. So she hooks them up with a van and a driver uh, so that they can go find... The thinker. The thinker, yeah. Um, so that the thinker can then get them into Jodenheim. Uh, so, um, oh gosh, what's they, next? They then have to go to that bar. Oh, yes, yes. Um, which, that sequence, I really, really liked. Because they get there, and they're like, alright, well, thinker's not here yet. So, let's just sort of get to know each other and, and uh, um, hang out for a while until the thinker arrives. And so... They, like, all have a shot of alcohol or whatever. I'm, I'm not really... A... If we're going to keep going on this podcast, you need to know, I don't really know my alcohol at all. And so, um, they drink several amounts of liquid of alcohol juice. So, <laughs> there's a chance that any of you guys will go and see it, and they're like... And you'll be like, the real couple, don't you know? That was whiskey, or that was vodka, or that was one of the others. Um, but it seems stronger than the way movies portray beer. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, they all get like more and more and more drunk as the evening wears on. Um, and then all of them start like really getting loose. And like they start dancing and stuff. And then you kind of get like this um, like party camaraderie vibe mm-hmm. from the entire team that I really, really dug. Um and then at some point the the government comes in because they because they need to take out all the Americans that are at that bar. Oh, um, 
the the Corto Maltese or Corto Maltese <laughs> government also they actually intercepted Harley. Yes. And so they know the rest of her squad is here because there's no reason she would come alone. So that's why they know they need to look for the rest of the Suicide Squad. Um, but there's this sequence where they're all like in different parts of the bar, and then the like military comes in and everyone like Rick Flag and Bloodsport and Peacemaker, everyone starts shooting looks to each other and just sort of like, all right, you do this, you do that. And like the way it was set up where you can like see where the guards are, but you can also see where the main characters are, but you can also tell that the guards can't just identify. Like it's not like um, in a lot of movies where somehow the person looking for the main characters knows exactly what they look like. Mm -hmm. With this, it was much more... You'll be found out once they interact with you, but just on sight, they can't identify you just on that. Well, um, and because of that, that's when um, Peacemaker, right? Mm-hmm. Is that Idris Elba? No, Bloodsport. Bloodsport. So he finds the thinker first. He tells uh, Rat Girl and Ratcatcher Two and Polka Dot Man. Ratcatcher Two and Polka Dot Man uh, to take him out the back. Well, he creates a diversion. So he reveals himself as an American. John Cena joins in. I believe Rick Flagg joins in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, those three distract the military so that uh, the thinker can be taken out back with the others and get in their van. Um, and so then these three guys get thrown in a military van and craziness ensues. Yeah, they like the separation kill all the of guards. The group. Yeah, the separation of the group I thought was done really well. The uh, how do they get back to freedom I thought was also done well. Um, yeah, uh, the 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 visualization of just seeing everyone like shooting looks at each other when they're still in the bar. It just had a really cool like, oh, what's the team gonna do? How are they gonna get out of it? But everyone seemed very competent you know it didn't really seem like um they they didn't seem worried they were they all seemed very we'll figure this out but we need to stay on our game it wasn't much of a oh shoot i know i can take out these guys but that person is a liability it it all just uh it was really cool to to watch them go um so yeah finally they're reunited um and we they know they need to get through the city. At some point, King Shark pitches the idea of uh, also being in disguise with the others. And they're like, you're, you're a giant shark. Shut up. You have how, to lay low. Yeah. How are you going to get through? And he's like, giant mustache. And they're like, no, you'll still look like a shark, dipped. So um, then they get into the city. Uh, they get into Jotunheim. Uh, while this is all happening, we find out that Harley Quinn is probably going to marry the now president or something of Cordo Maltese and there's this whole like romantic scene of them being together but then at some point she decides that this guy (laughs) that he's showing some red flags he's showing some red flags so what does she do she shoots him kills him immediately Um, and then watches him bleed on the floor she's explaining how she came to be this way that she is so basically another side quest as the team is going through the city is then they realize harley's still alive we have to go get harley 
So that's their next side quest is they're on their way to Jotunheim, um, which she ends up basically freeing herself through this crazy like rampage of violence and leg strength. And (laughs) those of you who have seen the movie know. Yeah. um, She lifts a guy up uh, by his neck with her legs, which is something that on a comic page is just like, yeah, sure, totally. But on a movie screen, definitely looks kind of odd and bizarre, which I was really happy to see that they were willing to go ahead and do odd and bizarre. Um, Because I I would love to see more um, comic book movies be willing to go to where comics are willing to go to. Um, But there are things where the the drawn image, the, the mind can justify it better. Well, and something I liked about her escape scene, too, is, like, as she's stabbing people and whatever it is she's doing to kill them, uh, any blood that's coming out is immediately just turning into flowers that are, like, bright and pretty and kind of, like, psychedelic as she's just, like, doing her Harley thing to get out. And then she gets out and she peeks around the corner and she sees the suicide squad and she's like what are you guys doing here and they look at her and they're like we're here to save you what are you doing here and she's like well i can go back in and you can try it again but like she really gets emotional (laughs) at that point like the concept that people came to save her um i do like that that legitimately catches her off guard she she honest honestly did not expect it Mm -hmm. um which i think is is another really great um, instance of writing Harley Quinn accurately. Mm-hmm. Um, she, in the comics, busts her ass to try and do everything she can to help the Joker. However, she's never able to get it through her head that the Joker will never reciprocate that. Right. He's never going to be a good guy to her. Um, well, and I like, too, that she was like one of the lone surviving members of that first wave mm-hmm. of people that hit the beach and just got to join the, like, real team. Um, I liked that dynamic. So once that side quest is now done, uh, they're finally able to uh, get into Jotunheim, mm-hmm. which is basically this giant cement tower, tower yeah. cylinder thing. Thing. It almost looks like um, uh, like a silo. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, real quick, just going back a little bit, because um, something you just said kind of sparked a, a thought in my mind that was like, oh, that's interesting. I kind of feel like everyone on the real squad, like Team B, that's actually going to Jotunheim, all sort of seem like characters that... Um, it's almost like Amanda Waller sees them as either um, not that bad or um, valuable, like their their strengths are good enough that you can actually use them, or they are malleable. You right. can you can kind of um, you can talk, mold them. To yeah, you can mold them. them into what what you want to see them be, and so. The people on the first squad are either not that powerful, so if they die, who gives a shit, or 
too dangerous to be left alive. Right. And that's why Harley gets put onto that team. Because she's really capable. She's really good at what she does. But I think she's too far gone. I don't think we can manipulate her that much. You know what? Let's have... Let's let's kill off Harley. And so I, I kind of feel like they were trying to kill her off. And then she just survived anyway. Um, which is a really cool, interesting idea. Um, and so, yeah, when all of a sudden she rejoins the group, it's like, gosh, yeah, I guess so. Um, so yeah, they get to Jotunheim. They, uh, it starts raining, which leads to a really cool sequence where, like, the guards can't see through the rain because it's just so white. Um but, Which helps them to be able to get into the building mm-hmm. uh, and get the doors closed before the guards can get there. Yeah, they they get into Jotunheim and they um, set their charges and at some point everyone gets separated again. Um, and for some reason, uh, King Shark finds his way to an aquarium with a bunch of fish. Yeah. That was kind of odd. Um at some point, their uh, their driver, um, the van driver, gets killed <laughs> Milton. off. Milton. Milton. <laughs> and, and the only person who's really broken up about it is Polka Dot Man. And everyone else is like, who gives a who's shit about Milton? Milton? <laughs> <laughs> Which, funny enough, before having seen this movie, if someone were to be like, oh shit, Bloodsport's in trouble. Wouldn't you be like, who the hell is Bloodsport? Bloodsport? Yeah. Like, yeah. All of these forgettable characters in the grand scheme of things all of a sudden are like okay i'm better than that guy (laughs) so basically like they're getting into jodenheim they get in there and they realize what project starfish is uh they realize that the government has been working with this giant starfish with a big eye in the center of its body that produces little starfish that can like alien face eater attach to people's faces and control them uh through the face eater um and john cena is like we were told that our mission is to destroy the building and everything in it so that nothing about project starfish gets out well some members of the team get in there and they realize they've literally been experimenting on and killing women and children like whatever is on this flash drive or whatever it is this needs to get out people need to know what this government has been doing and what project starfish really is uh so then there's this like ethical battle between john cena and multiple other members of his team who want this information leaked uh so i know he's fighting um rat catcher at one point, he's fighting uh, Bloodsport at one point, um, which during that fight was one of my favorite shots of the whole movie. Ooh, uh, they yeah. show them fighting in the reflection of Peacemaker's helmet. Yeah. Uh, such a cool shot. silver helmet. And, but, like, it's not just that, like, it cuts away for a second and you see like a bit of fighting but you know reflected in the helmet it's a long it's a long shot and it like moves yeah and it it kind of pans around um sorry anyone who knows camera work at all knows that everyone uses the term panning way too much even though like a tenth of what they're talking about actually constitutes as panning 
uh, I'm the same, sorry. Um, but yeah, so it, it kind of moves around um, this helmet. And so you're able to see their fight move through the room a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the camera stays like with the with the helmet front and center. And it's they're far enough away that they are never actually in camera. It is mm-hmm. only their reflection. And so um, for like solid objects in the shot moving, it's a very still shot. But just in this reflection, it's is all the movement. And uh, that was one piece of uh, cinematography and choreography that I thought was really, really very good well about this movie. Um, yeah, he also so... fights and kills, big spoilers, Rick Flagg. Yes, he does. Um, so, yeah, while they're having their, like, ethical battles, the other half of the team is setting the charges, um, and then Polka Dot Man ends up spewing some polka dots at someone and ends up, uh, sparking the charges, so they end up blowing the building too fast, uh, or faster than they had intended, no one was in the places that they needed to be, and the building starts going down. The aquarium that uh, King Shark was at bursts, and all of his little fishy friends start to attack him. Um, and then as that's happening, the starfish is also set free. Um, the starfish ends up killing the thinker, uh, because the thinker is the one that has done all of the experimentation on the starfish um and all of this chaos is just ensuing as this whole building is basically breaking in half and falling hundreds of feet uh with the suicide squad in the building and still trying to fight for the flash drive or what is it it looks Uh, like a floppy disk honestly i think it's a I think it's a full hard drive. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, So pretty much in like a tower computer, that's about the size of a hard drive. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're just bricks that you plug in. Um, And so those same things are now, you can get them in plastic housings and get external hard drives. Okay. Um, So yeah, they're fighting over a hard drive. Um, And eventually building crumbles, everyone gets thrown outside of the building they make it out okay um well some do <laughs> rick flag does not make it out rick flag does not make it out and blood sport does not make blood it out sport does not eventually blood sport well, and... no it's peacemaker oh, sorry peacemaker you john did this cena to me. you did this to me <laughs> um, yeah so john cena does not make it out of the building um which was very surprising to me blood um, sport makes it out with the hard drive yes uh rat catcher makes it out Harley and Polka Dot Man make it out. Did you mention King Shark? King Shark does make it out yeah. as well. Um, but That's kind in, of a later reveal. Yeah. King he, Shark is always just kind of like on his own path during this movie. Yeah. Which I kind of love. Yeah. He's very endearing to me. And I like that they kept on um, doing things to him that was like... Uh, right as you see one character dying, you see something happening to King Shark, and it's like, oh shit, he's dying too? Oh, he's bulletproof. Oh, I guess he's not dead, actually. <laughs> oh shoot, but now they dropped a building on Oh dang, he is dead. Oh, oh no, he's he can, fine. He can withstand buildings <laughs> dropping on him. 
His okay. little fishy friends were like actually piranhas. Yes, those little fishy <laughs> friends that, that, which was like, I I didn't quite. Poor get King why. Shark went through a lot during the Battle of Jotunheim that had nothing to do with the actual <laughs> mission. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yes, the building crumbles. The ones who are alive make it out, uh, but so does Starfish. Uh, yeah, I don't believe he has a name. He does. Does okay. he? So, before this movie, had you ever seen that character? No, I okay. hadn't. So Star- he honestly just reminded me of Patrick from SpongeBob. Okay. Because he was a pink starfish. Yes. Um. So Starro, Starro the Conqueror is, um, that character's name, and I, I've seen him in comics for years. Um, but he's always kind of one of those, um, when people reference him, it's always sort of a, hey, remember the 40s? Crazy shit happened in comics back then. (laughs) (laughs) Or remember years ago, like the the 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, yeah. So this is Starro? Starro, Okay. Um, So yeah, he comes out and he, uh... Throws his... Throws, like... It looks like they come out of gills on the side of him. Yeah, he's able to open up these, like, flaps to his yeah. innards. He and, just, uh, like, spews out all these little starfish. And they pretty much take over That immediately start going for people's faces. Mm-hmm. And the team pretty quickly realizes, like, hey, cover your face with, like, a mask or your hand or something. Don't let these starfish get a hold of your face. So... That happens, and... Which, that was one thing that I must say. If you're seeing all these starfish attaching to the faces of everyone around you, maybe put something over your face. But right? no one's thinking of that except the main characters, finally. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, starfish, Starro, sorry. So he's making his way through town and destroying the buildings as he's going. He's building up his army of starfish-controlled humans... Um, I'm honestly not certain on what his intent was other than to just gain control of the human race and land, maybe? Government? I don't really know. Um, so then the Suicide Squad is like, we gotta fight him and they're doing their best to use all of their powers. Polka Dot Man is spewing polka dots at him. He ends up getting crushed uh blood sport is shooting and all of these things and doing his best and harley is running around with a javelin uh and then finally rat catcher 2 um uses her rat wand light bulb thing what is that called do you know i don't um from what i understand uh rat catcher was a really cool batman villain but was only used in one or two issues years ago and then hardly ever mentioned after that. Um, and then this character in this movie is supposed to be that character's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, yeah, I, I always do really enjoy when um, big uh, blockbuster movies like this shine a spotlight on obscure characters um and years ago my dad mentioned Ratcatcher as as a villain that he wished would get the spotlight a bit more um and so he'll be very pleased with suicide squad definitely so she gets the rats to converge on starro um and it's like 
thousands and thousands and thousands of rats. Um, so while they're making their way towards Starro, Harley is able to throw a javelin through the eye and jump in. Um, I think she jumps with, with the, javelin the javelin over her head yeah. and sort of dives in with it. So she's floating around in eye juices, uh, which gross. As you do. <laughs> Uh, and so then all the rats get in there and they start like severing all of the blood vessels and they're basically taking out Starro from the inside. Uh, so the rats take him down. Yeah, so Starro's defeated. Um, another thing about this whole sequence, um, everyone's like using their powers and their abilities, but early on in the movie, um, Bloodsport mentions, I'm not a leader. You can't assign me to be the leader of this group. Because I'm not a leader. I don't want to be a leader. And they're like, we'll make you one. And so while everyone's using their abilities, the reason they're all using their abilities effectively is because he's finally stepping up and figuring out how to be a leader. And on the fly, pretty much saying, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And and um, But not just, um, hey, you do something that is far outside of your abilities. It's more of a, okay, I need him distracted. Um, uh, King Shark, I know that you're constantly wanting to eat things, so he points, and in a language that he knows King Shark will understand, he just, King Shark, that guy is Nom Noms. Yeah. And King Shark looks over and just, oh, Nom Noms, and goes running off. And then um, he knows that... Um, Polka Dot Man has issues with his mom. So he's like, Polka Dot Man, do you see who that is? That's, That's your, your mother. Mom. Yeah. And he's like, he looks over and this giant starfish transforms into his mother. And he's like, I'm gonna kill this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so that's another like ability we get to see manifested is, is yeah. uh, Bloodsport's leadership. leadership ability. Well, um, and then as this battle is going on too... Everyone's distracted, so the Freedom Fighters are able to get to government headquarters and basically take over from the rogue leaders that have been in power um, and overthrow them and get democracy back. Um, and then, like, after Starro goes down and they know that they've won, um, the team then basically has their, like, moment to become heroes, uh, where they decide, hey, Project Starfish was really messed up and the U.S. had a hand in it. So they basically use that to blackmail uh, Amanda Waller um, into basically giving them what they want. Like, hey, you give us what we want. We'll make sure that this never gets leaked uh, because... Amanda Waller's whole thing has been, this needs to be destroyed so that nobody knows that the U.S. had any sort of involvement, um, which definitely uh, did not benefit her in the end. Um, as the Suicide Squad is, like, having their hero moment, she's losing her shit in the office. She's threatening to, like, blow all their chips, and she ends up getting taken out by one of her employees, yeah, they, like, she, hit her over the head with a golf driver. She pretty much decides if we pull out now, we can just chalk this whole country up as, well, they were screwing with Starro. They shouldn't have done that. 
but yeah and then this information will never get out and we'll just be able to look at what they did and whatever but now the suicide squad is like nope we need to stop starro and she's like nope we can nuke him from orbit just listen to me i'm in command and they're like we're disobeying you so she's losing it and so yeah she is just going to go ahead and pretty much clean slate it um uh do a, a full-on etch-a-sketch thing where she's just gonna kill all of them and the team is like you're just uh um you're bluffing, right? You're not actually going to kill him. And then she's, like, turning the key, and she's flipping the switches to activate the detonators. And then, yeah, finally someone just clubs her and says, you know what? It's up to us now. We need to give the Suicide Squad the support they need to get done everything that they need to get done. And so then there's a really cool sequence of the Suicide Squad and the people in the chairs actually... Working, working together, together efficiently and effectively and, and stuff like that. Um, during this whole thing, when uh, Starro first comes out of Jotunheim, is one of my favorite uh, quotes of the movie, which is, uh, for anyone who watches New Girl, is spoken by the same actor as Outside Dave, but um, he's on the computer, he's watching the, the footage, and then he turns around and says, Oh, damn it. We've got a freaking kaiju up in this shit. <laughs> I forgot about that line. <laughs> Which is so good. We've got a freaking kaiju up in this shit. Which, in a movie like that, you know you can say fuck, right? Like, you could have said, we've got a fucking kaiju up in this shit. But he says frickin'. And then immediately follows it with shit. As though he's like... Thanks, Outside Dave. Yeah, like, I won't say the F word. That is terrible but this shit's crazy. (laughs) So yeah, like just everything about that line. I I loved that they were willing to acknowledge the existence of the term kaiju, you know, Mm -hmm. giant monsters. Um, But yeah, also just the wording and the delivery of the line was, was perfect. Um, So yeah, then um, they get to go home and uh, he turns in the uh, top secret information so as to benefit them all, which... Uh, I, I liked the morality of, you know, we, we've just fought so hard to get this out. Why are we now playing into their hand and, and handing it over, keeping it all hush-hush, yada, yada, yada? And uh, Bloodsport has to pretty much say, yeah, um, the, the morally right thing to do would have been to let the world know. However, at the end of the day, we're not the best people, and so I decided to use this as a bargaining chip to get our group further in life. Sorry. And something about Ratcatcher. She's definitely like the more the most morally straight mm-hmm. character in the movie. And even she is able to like look at it and, and weigh the choices and kind of realizes that um, even if this choice isn't what I feel is the best, I'm still able to look at what made Bloodsport decide to select that. And I admire his reasoning. And mm-hmm. and that, her character was really, really interesting to me. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much the plot line of the story. Then there have, was a mid-credit scene. There were two credit scenes. <laughs> True, yes. Yeah. Um, so... The hilarious one. <laughs> Do you want to start with that one? <laughs> Yes. Uh, so in this 
credit scene. Uh, it takes you back to the first beach uh, that the f- decoy team died on. And you discover that Weasel is not actually dead. Yeah, it is unclear how much time has passed, but everything's, like, no one's still there. Oh, so no, it's, he's, like, alone on this beach. Yeah, I don't know if it's just later that same night or if it's been days, but <laughs> all of a sudden his body decides to just cough up the water he inhaled. <laughs> and he just coughs, sits up, <laughs> stands up, and just... <laughs> That's another thing. I I personally loved Weasel in this movie. So funny. So funny. But I like... also loved that it was that the mocap for Weasel was done by Sean Gunn, who's one of my favorite Gilmore Girls actors. For those of you who don't know, he plays Kirk in Gilmore Girls. Uh, but since his brother is the director, he also has cameos in all of his brother's movies. Yeah. Um... Uh, so he did the mocap for Weasel, uh-huh. um, and then when we cut to like several days earlier at the beginning the of the prison. movie, we get to see him play a Calendar Man, Calendar Man, a Batman villain who only uh, does attacks in Gotham on holidays, which means that the GCPD, the Gotham Gotham City Police Department, can never take a holiday. You know, <laughs> uh, it, you know, Christmas is tomorrow, which. I want to spend time with my family, but inevitably, Calendar Man's going to attack, so I don't get Christmas off. Oh, damn it. Oh, tomorrow's flag day. I was going to have a barbecue, but there's definitely going to be a flag-themed attack <laughs> somewhere in town, because that bald little bitch <laughs> never lets us have a day off. Um, so that was the funny mid credit scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Weasel's alive. He runs very spazzily off into the trees don't know where he goes but uh then do you want to go over the other scene yes the other one is uh two of amanda waller's assistants um one is uh steve aggie steve ag something like that but the uh, guy who plays outside, outside dave, dave. Uh, the one who says there's a kaiju up in this shit um him and one of the girls are being walked through this hospital by this lady, and she just says, oh, yeah, we found him in the rubble. Uh, We were shocked to find that his heart was still beating, yada, yada, yada. And it turns out that he's he's in the ICU, he's in critical condition, but Peacemaker has survived, which, for me personally, um, I went into this movie knowing that there is a Peacemaker show coming to HBO Max, and so when he died in Jotunheim, I was very much like, okay, so does that mean it's a sequel series? Um, did I hear wrong? Was that uh, inaccurate? Things like that. Um, yeah, what's what's happening with this standalone project? Oh, okay, there's a another scene coming up, and oh, someone survived Yeltenheim. I wonder. <gasps> Wait a minute, it's Peacemaker, isn't it? There we go. Okay, okay. So that was sort of uh, my thought process during the. Um, I think that was after, or no, I think that was the mid credit scene, because I'm pretty sure it ends with Weasel with just running off into the darkness, <laughs> which, that was another thing. Just uh, James Gunn's, or Sean Gunn's physicality as Weasel was so, so funny, funny and bizarre. And like, and the reason that I knew, so before we saw the movie, neither of us knew that Sean Gunn had done the mocap for Weasel. 
Uh, but the reason I figured it out was seeing him move. For those of you Gilmore Girl fans, there's an episode where they're doing a test run before the dragonfly launches. And Kirk has a night terror and comes screaming down the stairs naked and runs through like the stairwell and the lobby and out the door and Luke has to go chase him down to get him. Um, Very similar like motion (laughs) done by uh, Night Terror Kirk. Uh, So that is how I discovered um, that he did the mocap for Weasel. So being a Gilmore Girls fan will pay off in some weird ways. Absolutely. Um, so, a uh, couple things that I would like to touch upon. Um, once again, I thought Amanda Waller was so good in this movie. Yes. Um, there were, there were moments where she would, like, get loud and scream, and I think, like, the, the background music, the score, would, like, hit when she screamed certain things, just to almost seem, make it feel like the universe was adding... Um, exclamation marks yeah. to what she was saying. Um, there's, the music there's... in this movie was so good. Phenomenal, yeah. Um, specifically one moment that I, I remember, um, she she's manipulating uh, Bloodsport's life in such a way that uh, there's a good chance his daughter could get sent to prison. If she gets sent to prison, she won't be tried as a child, but as an adult, and she'll be sent to... Bell Rev, which is one of the most dangerous places, one of the most dangerous prisons ever, and so she'll almost definitely be killed. Bloodsport loses his shit, understandably, but he very quickly grabs a pen and puts it right to her throat, which this guy, more than willing to commit murder, and knows how to do it as efficiently as possible, so everyone pulls their guns, and he's pretty much got that look in his eyes of like, yeah, they can definitely shoot me to death. But I know I'll take you out first, and that's all I need. And so everyone's like, oh shit, what's going on? And loudly, Amanda Waller just screams, stand down! And the the way yeah. the music hits right on that word, really, like, I got chills. And it was like, oh shit, this, this lady seems powerful. Which in the comics, she just has this powerful presence. Mm-hmm. And and she's cruel and and heartless heartless and always on top of all of these plans and stuff like everything that ever happens was calculated by amanda waller and Mm -hmm. in the first suicide suicide squad movie she doesn't seem cruel she seems mean yeah it's it's less of a oh my gosh how could you why would you do that and more of a you bitch (laughs) <laughs> it's it's not like I'm going to have your daughter sent to prison unless you help me out. It's more of a hey, who ate my sandwich in the break room refrigerator? And she's like me, cause nah. <laughs> it's just you're not cool. You're just an ass. <laughs> I would say overall, I felt like the acting was so good from everybody. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm not a huge John Cena fan. I don't love him as an actor. I what personally think him? he was probably the weak link mm. acting wise. Um, I feel like the character they wrote, 
he did a great job of embodying that character. I agree. Uh, but I also feel like everybody else did a really great job with their roles, respectively. Okay. Um, so I really appreciated that. Um, one thing that, like, whenever there was another death or fight scene or, you know, whenever it, it got really, really gruesome or crude or things like that, it really just um, proved to me that this movie allowed James Gunn to just really flex his weird. His oh, yeah. Just, like, he loves making bizarre movies. I've seen his movie Super with Rain Wilson. It's a weird movie. And because of that, I don't recommend it to many people because it's so dark and it's so weird and it's so off-putting. Um, but this movie... He was able to really swing for the fences, but um, because I saw Super and then saw Guardians of the Galaxy, it really was uh, surprising to see how, um, not on a short leash he was, but like um, how much he kept his own weirdness in check. Mm -hmm. He was like, you know what? I'm trying to make a Marvel movie. I'm trying to make a family-friendly movie. I'm trying to do this and this and this. So I may wish that I could take the story to those places. It's not where I'm going to take this story. But he was able to do that here. Yeah. This Suicide. is not a friendly, family-friendly movie. No. There this... is violence, language, nudity, gore, all of it. Yeah. Suicide Squad really feels like uh, James Gunn did not have to pull any punches. And he was encouraged to make it as James Gunn as possible. But like I said earlier, I felt like it finally struck that balance that the DCEU has been trying to find. It was weird. It was dark. It was gritty. It was funny. Um, he hit all the beats perfectly um, and really showed what he can do as a director. And I'm hoping that this will help to be a stepping stone for him to get more in the future. Um, I know there was that issue with his like previous tweets and disney fired him but like which now they've hired him back they have yeah so he's coming back for not only guardians of the galaxy volume three but while filming guardians three he will also film uh the guardians of the galaxy holiday special so yeah he's got two different projects coming down the line from disney um and i think part of that is that you know dc immediately um was like, you know what, let's cut ties. But another thing I think is also that uh, as soon as they did try to distance themselves, every actor he's worked with for years, every producer, like everyone he's worked with has been like, hey, not only did he himself denounce it years ago, but the type of person I worked with is not the kind of person who would say offensive stuff like that. And so I think, and all of the fans were like, you know what, quit freaking out about spilt milk from a decade ago that's already been mopped up um so yeah uh i i do really hope that uh hollywood being able to see his range you know making a family-friendly movie like guardians and making a balls-to-the-wall crazy film like this new suicide squad hopefully this really just sends him into the stratosphere um so yeah um amanda waller was just chef's kiss um oh a couple questions for you um of all the characters that didn't make it what characters did you wish did 
Like, were there any characters that when they died, you were like, oh, damn it. Um, well, Weasel was one. Yeah. I thought he was really funny. But thankfully, the end of the credits came. This is true. But yeah, he was, he was probably um, my number one. I came to really like Polka Dot Man. And I was sad that he didn't end up making it because he made it so far. And then didn't get to, like, finish it out. I also really wanted to see more of Pete Davidson. Same. Um, I, I'm I was, a big Pete Davidson fan. I really like. like him on SNL. I think he's really funny. Uh, so I was bummed that he got killed so early on. Um, and another thing. Our first time seeing him on screen, which I totally forgot about until rewatching it on HBO the next morning. There's a moment where... Uh, First time you see him on screen, he's just, like, standing next to this guard. And they're just sort of waiting to leave. So they're just kind of standing around. And uh, he's just sort of, like, poking fun at this guard. And then reaches for one of his guards, one of his guns. And the guard just shakes his head, like, don't even think about it. And so then he sort of gives him this look of, like, okay, I won't. But what if I did? Oh, but I won't. Oh, but what about this gun? And, like, he's just... The first time we see Pete Davidson... If that was all I saw of him in the entire movie, I would know. Okay, so right off the bat, guy's kind of an asshole. <laughs> he just, uh, what do you do with your free time? Eh, you know, just be a douchebag. <laughs> that is his character. <laughs> and I was so like, oh yes, show me more of this guy. And the fact that he was second to die really made me sad. I was really wanting to see more. Um, and the fact that he was the one to um, betray the team. Ah. Um, but yeah, so, um, oh, one thing to touch upon. I really loved the, uh, transition words because they, yeah, yeah, they're, uh, at some point, they like, were hard for me to read at times. There yes. were so many times that like they would do it out of like roots of the trees or like smoke or water or something. And I'm like, at some point there's a bunch of leaves, the wind blows. And I don't know it if it was like, all leaves except for the ones uh, spelling, I think now. I don't know if it was like the font that they used, but like. I'm glad that whenever they did it, they left it on there for a long time because I really had to, like, focus in on mm -hmm. what it was saying. Um, but I, I think that... But I thought that was a cool effect. I really liked the CG on that. It was a cool effect, and I admire the creativity in writing a script and figuring out, okay, now I want to, like, cut to this point in time, or I want to show something, so I have to write something into this scene that we can use to animate. Mm -hmm. I need smoke in the background, or I need leaves on the ground, or I need um, Bloodsport to be scrubbing a toilet and the soap suds on the toilet seat to spell this out. All of that just seemed so much more creative than just putting the words on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, and if the words were just on the screen, I wouldn't think less of this movie, but because they did it the way they did, I now think more of this movie. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. Um, uh, before we went in, you had heard that uh, the crazy costumes in this took away from the story. Did you find that to be the case? I did not. Okay. And now I'm a little concerned about the person who wrote that review that I saw. I mean, Polka Dot Man could have been, like, the most distracting costume-wise, I think. Uh, but, I mean, what else are you going to do with Polka Dot Man? Like, yeah, if he's not covered in polka dots, people are going to come out being like, I thought that guy was supposed to be Polka Dot Man. What the hell? I actually really liked the costuming. I didn't feel like it detracted from the story. I didn't feel like it was too gruesome. It was definitely 
gory and things, but I didn't feel like it was too much to stomach. Yeah, which I feel like we both have a pretty high tolerance and threshold. We do. Um, but uh, yeah, um, as, as I was watching, I was like, I really hope you don't agree with that review. No, I don't agree with it at all. And for me, once I saw a full man's penis on screen, I was like... Who is getting distracted by costumes in this? Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, how would you say this ranks compared to the rest of the DCEU? I think it's up there. I know you don't agree. You love Snyder and his trilogy. Yeah. I I personally uh, definitely put Zack Snyder's three films easily at the top. I, I would love... put his Justice League at the top. Okay. Uh, but... For me, I think Suicide Squad might be two. Wow. Okay. It, it's definitely up there. I'm not as familiar with the DCEU as most people, um, but definitely one of the better films to come out of the DCEU, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, I think I very easily put this right under uh, Snyder's trilogy, but obviously it's better than the original Suicide Squad. Um I put it far above Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Um, I put it above. I put it above Shazam. Yeah. Um, I think Shazam. I put it above Aquaman as well. Yeah, I think even Wonder Woman. Both. Ooh. Oh my gosh, I I really really like the first Wonder Woman film. Um, I think there's so many problems with the second movie. I, I liked it when I first saw it, but the more I think about it, the the, the less it holds up. Um, I, I would say, and these are such different films. One yeah, is it's like apples about, and oranges. Yeah, one is so uplifting and hopeful and, and you know, uh, just bringing up your, your um, trust in humanity. And this one is so, like... You know what's great about the world? The fact that you can kill people if you really want to. <laughs> um, Either way, they're both up there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very... I would say Wonder Woman and Suicide Squad are close to each other. Um, so, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so that's the story, the acting. Uh, special effects. I thought the special effects were great all throughout. I did too. Yeah. I uh, can't really think Loved of a moment. King Shark. Yeah. Um can't really think of a moment uh when the special effects either dipped or were shockingly better um but yeah um cinematography uh, had some great cinematography beautiful yeah um i i mentioned the rain sequence um and the helmet and the helmet sequence yeah Mm -hmm. um uh, harley's rampage with all the flowers flowers, yeah it was great thought that was great yeah um choreography i thought all of the fights looked really really great yeah they um, did yeah stunt doubles did a great job yeah on all of that um punches hit hard um yeah very very well done uh the music both the fantastic yeah, both the um like songs written and, and performed by bands that sean gunn decided to add in as well as the background score both were well, and we, we watched a video about Suicide Squad that talked about um, the music that we would hear uh, when the music first started playing. The song was just for the audience, but then it would switch 
and it would like become part of the scene. What is that term? Diegetic. Diegetic. Yeah. That's the term. Which that term I learned two years ago, something like that. And when it was told to me, I was like, what, what does that even mean? And it just, I keep hearing it. And so it's taken a while from, for it to like sink into my brain, but like, I'm finally getting to that point where I'm like, diegetic, that's the term, it's diegetic. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's definitely still an obscure term though. Um, so uh, now uh, trivia. I read through all the trivia on um, IMDb. There were some really, um, there were some really interesting things. Um, which one of them I was wanting to touch upon, and then it actually came up in in a lot of the uh, trivia facts. But Idris Elba, who plays um, Bloodsport, was initially hired to replace Will Smith as Deadshot from the original film. But it was later decided that Elba would play a new character, Bloodsport, to allow Smith to return in the future. And that was one thing that I was very worried about, was because it was announced that Jai Courtney was coming back to uh, reprise his role as Boomerang. Um, Margot Robbie was returning to Harley Quinn. But then Idris Elba, I had heard, was being cast as Deadshot. And so it's like, guys, if you're recasting... A character, recast all of them. If you're not recasting, don't recast any of them. And so, but then all of a sudden this movie came out and he wasn't playing Deadshot. And I was like, okay, I guess, did I just mishear information? But yeah, apparently it changed. Um, so that was cool. Um, another thing that's really interesting, James Gunn wasn't refused permission to use any character he wanted. So he went to WB and DC and said... These are the characters I want to use. Expecting with such a long list, they're definitely going to be like, you can't use this. You can't use that. Who the hell even is this guy? No. Okay. And he submits his list and they went, yep, all of them are fine. <laughs> he was like, really? Um, so, uh, however, he purposefully chose to use mostly lesser-known characters. In a tweet, Gunn wrote, I considered many more well-known heroes and outlaws, but I wanted to stick with Ostrander's original version of the mostly second-rate antagonists. Which, mm. yeah, uh, which not only was he able to kill them off, and it doesn't really feel like it'll have major repercussions on the universe, but if everyone's second-rate, I kind of don't know who's gonna make it or not um so yeah um james gunn majorly used practical vfx in this film he found it a relief after working on the cgi heavy guardians of the galaxy films so um yeah i, I know i'd seen like um mongal holding onto that helicopter i was seeing like behind the scenes shots of her actually like holding onto a practical helicopter which yeah very impressive um james gunn wanted dave batista to play peacemaker interesting but batista turned it down to play the lead role in Zack snyder's army of the dead interesting yeah um which i like how john cena looks like such a clean cut but beefier like Captain America or Superman 
Homelander. He's got that, like, the perfect hair and the chiseled jaw and stuff. But then... Yeah, Dave Bautista has a very different physical look than John Cena has. And for such a liberty and justice sort of character, I feel like Bautista just visually would have brought something very different to the character. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, very interesting. Um, Oh, this one I kind of wanted to talk about. Margot Robbie wears a new costume that features Harley's traditional red and black color palette with James Gunn taking inspiration from the character's costume in the video game Batman Arkham City. He wanted her jacket to have uh, motorcycle gang-style writing on the back and chose Live Fast, Die Clown over the potential options. And these are the other things that could have been written. Clown AF, (laughs) which I think could have been, you know, funny. Um, And World's Best Grandpa. (laughs) I that love, one would have been I so love funny. I love the concept of her going into battle with a jacket that says world's best grandpa. Um, James Gunn also removed Harley's rotten facial tattoo from previous DCEU films because both he and Robbie disliked it. So yeah, she had a, a face tattoo that just said rotten. Oh, yeah, they yeah. just kept the heart on her cheek. Mm-hmm. Which I think the heart is fine. Um, but in both um, Suicide Squad and um, Birds, of Prey. Birds of Prey, both of them just have so many tattoos. Mm-hmm. And they took out most of her tattoos in this, and people love it. They took out all of Joker's tattoos for the final scene of uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Everybody loves it. Um, I, I think they're just crazy. Cover these characters in tattoos approach for Suicide Squad was just so ill-advised. Um, but, yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to take it out in the future is what you're going to do. Um, uh, Pete Davidson had to miss the season 45 premiere of Saturday Night Live to do the movie. Oh. Yeah, so, missed some filming. You know, his whole three minutes of screen time. Right. Um, oh, this was interesting to me just because we do this podcast. Um I'm gonna murder this name. Ja- Jaume Colette Sarah was considered to direct if Mel Gibson didn't take the helm. Mel Gibson almost directed this movie. But Jaume Colette Sarah was considered to direct if Mel Gibson didn't take the helm. Colette Sarah would drop out of contention, however, to direct Jungle Cruise. Instead, oh, which was our last episode. Yeah. Ironically, Colette Sarah also found another superhero project in Black Adam, in which he, uh, he'll take the helm. So, the uh, Black Adam movie, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson, um, who's also in Jungle Cruise, um, that's going to be directed by a guy who almost directed this movie. So, yeah, um, yeah. Once again, we really liked it. Um, wow, we are. Um, this is roughly going to be about a hour and a half long episode, so we're getting longer with movies we like. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you so much for um, subscribing and for liking and commenting. Yeah, all downloading, that stuff. Oh. sharing. Um, once again, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. 
Um, and yeah. Follow us on Instagram at The Real Couple. Um, we really are having so much fun with this podcast. So thank you uh, if you have made it through all of these episodes or if this is your first one or uh, wherever you happen to pick it up at. Uh, we're very grateful for your support in this little project that we have. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I don't really know about uh, like giving any sneak peeks at what comes next, but um, there's definitely stuff coming next. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll hit record next time we're ready. So uh, see you then, I guess. <laughs>